Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Hello everybody, you are listening to Aetherius Radio Live with hosts Richard Lawrence and myself, Chrissy Blaze. Warm welcome to you. We are, as you Thank know, you. Richard, continuing um, our in-depth study of Aetherius Society directives for the coming 1,000 years, part two. Mm. And there is so much information, as regular listeners will know, uh, to be covered on this subject that it may well continue as part three for next month's show on August the 18th. Um, I'd like to begin, Richard, by thanking our producer, Nikki Perrett, for the fantastic job she has done producing this show for over four years now. Time flies. Um, yes. Because of yeah, because of technical difficulties encountered previously with Blog Talk Radio, the platform for this show, which Nikki, producing from London, had no control over, it was agreed that from now on production would be taken in-house by Body, Mind, Spirit Radio as they are in constant contact with Blog Talk. So again, thank you very much, Nikki, for your contribution to Aetherius Radio Live, which I know will continue but in another capacity. Yes, we, we've had many comments about Nikki, her great enthusiasm and her, you know, the, the way she does the announcements and the introductions, and she's done a great job of production to the very best of anyone's abilities, but it's, uh, it's out of our control really here in London. And uh, so thank you. I echo what Chrissy says there. Thanks, Richard. I'd like to begin by a few announcements. Uh, thank you to all those people who have supported and participated in the live-streamed and online services being held by the Aetheria Society. Please do continue joining us to send out as much healing and light during these troubled times. For those people who are new, when you visit Aetherius.org, at the top of the homepage, there's a red banner which will take you to the relevant links that will guide you to the various services being held. And you are warmly welcome to join with other like-minded people wanting to spread light, love, and healing out into the world. Sadly for us, at 12 midnight GMT on August the 5th, that glorious Temple of Light, satellite number three, will vacate its current orbit of Earth having graced us with its shining presence and imbuing us with its vital spiritual energy since July the 5th. But we will be able to send out our heartfelt thanks to these gods from space for their selfless sacrifice in a special service to mark the last hour of this spiritual push. And this services will be live streamed from the Aetherius Temple in London on August the 5th, details of which you can find on Aetherius.org. So over to you now, Richard, as we begin this uh, second part of this wonderful uh, detailed look into the transmission of the five temples of God and the next 1,000 years. I would like to just echo something you said. I'd like to apologize to our listeners who tuned in on the 21st of July for our third Tuesday of every month broadcast, which um, unbeknown to us, uh, was had to be aborted. I mean, we went in, we started doing it in the studio or in our various locations, and it turned out there was work going on at Blog Talk Radio we hadn't been alerted about, or we would have advised all our listeners, and hence uh, we're doing it now instead. So apologies for that. That was out of the Ethereum Society's control. Thank you for that, Richard. Um, let's continue with uh, part two. Yes. Looking into the future for the next 1,000 years. Absolutely, absolutely. 
So um, what we're looking at really are the Aetherius directives for the coming 1,000 years, as you said there, Chrissy, and it's uh, a vast topic. And I think some people have a copy of the five temples of God from the past. I don't think it's available through the society at the present time. And there's a very good reason for that, actually, which is that it's uh, out of date. And that's not my opinion or the opinion of directors. It's, it's a fact confirmed by the master theorist himself who delivered these directives for the next coming thousand years. However, having said that, the essence of them uh, is very relevant to us, hence we're studying them at this time, to really to illustrate how the cosmic plan changed during Dr. King's lifetime, uh, in, in the 30 years of his lifetime following he, the reception of that transmission. And we covered some of the aspects of it last time. Um, and we covered the fact that, you know, he'd performed Operation Blue Water, Operation Starlight. We went into some depth on the uh, importance of the three other the three adepts I should say and of course a big factor which is that this was delivered just prior to operation carmelite two things were delivered actually just prior to operation carmelite this transmission and also the spiritual push dates for the next 1000 years so i think uh it doesn't take you know a uh, Einstein or, or some great powers of perception to deduce that these were given then on the basis that we could need them that uh, I suppose there was a possibility at least in theory and uh, so it's something Dr. King actually stressed at the time you should never take victory for granted that Operation Carmelite might not have succeeded in theory that um, the three adepts could even have been uh, conquered, killed, or even worse than killed. And that would have been just diabolical in the literal sense. And this was a plan we would then have had in place in 1967 uh, if that had happened. And of course, we briefly touched on the fact for our regular listeners and i if you're new to us i have to apologize we're always striking trying to strike a balance between uh keeping our most studious and as it were advanced staff and members of, of decades of experience uh, informed and also brand new listeners and so obviously we have to to change that and I do apologize if sometimes we lose some newer listeners on certain topics but those who are familiar with uh, the alien mission will know that this was a, a really uh, much more serious threat to humanity than uh, Operation Carmelite was and you might wonder why it is that such steps might be taken before Operation Carmelite but there is a big difference between those two the alien mission, by its very name, uh, you can see that this was generated from outside of this Earth. And that meant there was a different karmic position for the adepts and much more intervention was allowable. Not very much, not enough, but much more. But Operation Carmelite was a homegrown problem by the name of Satan and uh, various other names through history. And so the karma was very different. And they were under greater limitation and more dependent 
on the positive energies uh, of, peop of people on this earth. Hence, you also had, of course, another transmission delivered in this period just prior to Operation Carmelite. The three savers are here. So that there was actually a prayer we could use to help to feed energy, uh, even in, in limited numbers, nevertheless definite energy uh, to the adepts. And I think that's one of the reasons a plan had to be given. And, of course, then... Dr. King stays on Earth for another three decades, you can guarantee that changes would be made and the plan that we're left with is remarkably uh, changed while at the same time though, and this is something we really want to stress in these programs, keeping the same essential necessities covered. The main things that needed to be done and are outlined in the plan we're now discussing in this transmission are all covered, but quite often in different ways. It's a fascinating study, actually, to see how this plan evolved, because it's, it's more potent now than it would have been then, but it's also different in several ways. And so, uh, Chrissy, one of the things we need to get onto, I think, is the whole point of te building temples unless there's anything you want to add to anything that I've just said there no that's very interesting it's interesting too I, I was just thinking that when our master was involved with anything he, it always he always evolved it didn't he um, anything of he course. touched he made it better and better and better and I was just yep. thinking as you were saying that that this um, he saw he took this transmission and obviously um, <laughs> He started thinking of ways that he could possibly improve things, and um, that was yeah. the result. So that was very interesting. It's very true, and, and he never rested, uh, day or night. He was always striving. He was never satisfied with his own missions. I mean, if you take, for example, Operation Sunbeam, which had all, we'll, come, we'll come on to, had already been invented by the time this transmission was delivered. Um, it, it was in August, of course, of 1967 that this transmission was delivered. Um, August the 26th, to be exact. Um, but he'd already, Sunbeam had been performed, a phase had been accomplished, and yet, and, and it had been celebrated throughout the galaxy, and we've covered that in previous programs, but he wasn't satisfied, and the fact that he wasn't satisfied, it's a tremendous lesson, I think, for all of us here, meant that that mission evolved exponentially in the 30 years following this transmission, was a, is in a very, very different place now than it was when this transmission was given. Yes, exactly, very good point. But getting on to temples, I, I think it's interesting, and I think what we should probably do, because when this was published, it was published under the name The Five Temples of God. And the whole essence of this plan outlined by the Master Etherius that we would have carried out was to build temples, and we'll come on to uh, where and when and, and how, uh, but they were going to be shape-power temples with certain properties, and their essential function was to perform a mission on Earth. Now, there is one thing about temples, and that is that it's much easier, and we covered this last time, so I won't go in any length into this, but it's a much easier thing for human beings us on earth to understand a temple is a physical building you can see it you can admire it you can enter it you can feel the power in it and around it and it would have attracted tremendous publicity and it would have been easier altogether for for, for people to understand so that that was 
part of the original plan, I believe. In evolving it, Dr. King also removed it uh, from the immediate comprehension, you might say, of a lot of people, and even, let's face it, belief of a lot of people. Uh, to believe in, say, Operation Space Power 2 is much more difficult than to believe in the power of a temple uh, for most people. And so it changed a lot. Now, even prior to this transmission, on March the 15th, 1965, a temple had been mentioned, one temple had been mentioned by the Master Etherius. And I'm just going to read what he said then. He said this, The Etherius Society is now being, being given a new mission. This new mission will be to erect a temple of certain proportions so that it may act as a power-stabilizing station for certain spiritual energies. When this temple has been erected, then further directives will be delivered regarding its outward and inner functions, and these will be unique and absolutely essential for the stabilization of transmitted energies prior to the Great Change. For it will not only be a temple where a handful can come together to pray, but a dynamic, tremendously powerful machine capable of the reception and transmission of mighty energies, transmuting, uplifting, dynamic energies, which can be radiated throughout Terra, that's the Earth, in a flash. This will be its function. Were it only to be a place where a few could pray, I would not bother to give the mission to the Aetherius Society, for you have outgrown such a veritable useless mission as that. I think we should pause there, Chrissy. I don't know yes. if there's anything you want to comment on that uh, very direct statement there from the Master Aetherius. Yeah, of course, it doesn't mean to say that uh, our prayers aren't useful because um, all the masters, the cosmic masters, have urged us to, to pray, but uh, he's just comparing the, the true function, which is so much greater than just a few people praying together. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And I think it's relevant that, we, we un that this is right from the beginning. This is two years or more before the transmission was studying, uh, the called, which was called the Five Temples of God, it was clear from the beginning it wasn't about building temples for people uh, to pray in or, or enhance their inner development in. That was a great bonus, but it wasn't the main purpose. And that's, I think, something to focus on because it's that main purpose that Dr. King then found another way of, um, of performing, in fact, in a more enhanced way, as we will go on to explain. Anyway, the Master Theorist continued. He said this, Do not forget the inner function will be the vital one. The outer function will be for your benefit, for you can gain further enlightenment, greater awareness, by attending such a dynamically charged place. Of course, the temple itself, when built, must have certain very definite shape power, Further directions will be given at the right time. Now, I don't want to impose undue hardship, that word in inverted commas, upon you, but I would say that the time is short. It does not matter very much where this building is erected. The present area of Los Angeles district would be quite a good one. This is not important. The important fact is to build that temple as soon as possible. 20 years will not be good enough, may I repeat, and you'll find out shortly why I repeat this, 20 years will not be good enough 
it must be done before that. I think Richard, that's a very just... important thing. Yes, right. please. Yes, absolutely. I know you're going to comment on the, the 20 years, which is important, but there's just something earlier in the transmission when the Master mm. Assyria said uh, the temple may act as a power stabilizing station for certain yeah. spiritual energies. Presumably, yeah. would that be referring to the spiritual energies, the great energies released during the primary initiation of Earth the previous year? Well, that is very relevant to it, yes. Um, and this is something we we're going to study in depth as we go. But uh, it's, it's, that's one aspect of it. And there were various aspects of it which uh, it turned out would be used. But certainly one of them, not the only one actually, because also the uh, spiritual energy radiator would be housed there. And energy right. would be beamed also from satellite number three from through the, the, the radiator in that temple. And, and being in a shape power temple would enhance that flow, of course. But yes, you're absolutely right. I would say possibly the most important aspect would be the gradual release um, of energy from the Mother Earth herself following her initiation, which of course has been held in abeyance by her. And this would be a, a way, a place for re releasing it. And that actually does relate to the 20 years because, you know, people, I mean, one might think, well, you know, we, we're, we're not if we just read this, and this is one of the reasons it's not available, because it does need a lot of study and explanation because of the numerous changes that Dr. King subsequently made. And, and they might think, well, you know, we've, we've fallen down on that. We haven't done what was ordered, as it were. Um, right. And if that was the case, of course, you'd have to say that was that happened in Dr., on Dr. King's watch because he was still with us uh, in 1985, very much with us. Uh, in fact, he didn't fall down on it at all because various things happened in the interim period prior to 1985. And one of the biggest of those things is called the Saturn mission, of course. And the Saturn mission, and this is why I think you're really on the spot, on it there, Chrissy, because one of the aspects, as you know, but for the benefit of all our listeners, of the Saturn mission is the release of energies from the Mother Earth. That's why it's performed uh, over psychic centers. For all I know, for all I know, and I don't know very much, so take me as an ignoramus, but it could be even more potent being released from psychic center locations even than a shape power temple in a place like Los Angeles. Well, that's uh, and a very that's, interesting point, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in a way, he evolved it. So, but in fact, I'll take, give you the exact year, 1981, which is well within the 20-year remit, the Saturn mission was underway, and the, the energy uh, is a combination of energy from released directly from the Mother Earth, but released uh, actually from a specific psychic center. Hence, we use a boat in that mission, because it's over water, and also energy from a battery, uh, which has energy placed in it by the adepts themselves. So cosmic energy. And so you have a, co a combination that would have existed in that temple, actually, of cosmic energy. Uh, in the, it might have been satellite number three. In this case, it's from the adepts. Uh, intermingled with energy from the Mother Earth. And all of this, and this is the key thing, under the direction of the lords of Saturn themselves. So that very function is definitely being performed in another way 
I would have to say uh, in a greater way, in my opinion, um, because it's directed by the lords of the Saturn themselves. Yes, well, thank you for explaining that, Richard. That's, um, and that's just one of the things. I mean, that, years, isn't it? it is, and that's only one of the things that happened in that 20 years. I think that's the biggest one from a cosmic mission point of view. But also, Operation Sunbeam had uh, had evolved tremendously in that 20 years, and uh, also we had Operation Prayer Power invented. So that's just to name some things uh, that had also happened to increase the radiation. Um, so. I think it's interesting, when that transmission was delivered, it was actually trans delivered on the day of the birth of the Master Jesus. And um, that, of course, being March the 15th. And it's interesting that Dr. King, in fact, cancelled that commemoration that evening to speak about the purpose of the temple. And that in itself, because we all know the reverence that Dr. King uh, held the Master Jesus in and the great love and admiration that he had for the Master Jesus, yeah. but he still saw fit to focus instead on this. So important was it. And he described it, in the, as you've just picked up, Chris, as a power stabilization center for spiritual energies, a vast machine capable of the reception and transmission of energies. And I think we need to focus uh, on how much it's changed. I mean, it's very, very different now, as, as, the, as Dr. King, we call him often the master, left it in 1997, um, we were left, I think, with a much more difficult task from a promotional point of view than we would have been left with. I have to say yeah. that was one of them. You, you do a lot of promotion, and I do certainly as much as anyone. Um, yeah. And it's much more difficult to promote the, than it would have been. No question about yeah. that. A temple could have easily attracted TV crews and people would have sensed it and felt it and, and, and so on. But that, as the Master of Theorists said, is the less important aspect of it. Um, but there is one, uh, one thing, is what we have now, I think this is a very interesting in, in the Aetherius Society, is an organization which is focused on a few people um, is focused on the staff and members and some active sympathizers. Everybody is welcome. We have a lot of supporters who express their enthusiasm and interest who aren't members, and that we welcome, and they join in online, and this is all very, very important. Please don't let me suggest it isn't. It's very, very important. But what we require to do this inner function, as the master theorist calls it, is a small number of people, much smaller, I would say, than the original plan. The original plan, as we're going to go on to, developing from one temple uh, into others as well. And this, I think, yeah. is very characteristic of Dr. King as a person. I don't know if there's anything that you want to comment on there, Chrissy, at all. Or the, the fact that he sort of recalibrated the plan. The way he recalibrated, yeah, that's yeah. the phrase I would use. He recalibrated the plan, yes. He didn't. I think that was your phrase, kind of actually, alter Richard. It. Yeah, that. okay. But, yeah, it's, to me, it's just a brilliant example of our master's strategy because we know he was the great strategist. Because obviously, at the time, he was in effect looking into the future. He got the transmission and he was looking into the future um, and the things he did. And, it, you know, it can be. He did so much in just that 20 years, as you've said. But in hindsight, I was thinking that one can see that part of what he was doing, I think, protect the Ethereum Society from 
dark force interference, etc., um, all the important things we've done by sort of going undercover a bit, by just working with a few people. Because had we gone out with a temple, which is, as you say, very easy to promote, everybody loves a shape power temple, wow, um, we would have attracted lots and lots of people, um, probably millions and millions of people. But there again, the more people you attract, the more possible dark force interference you get to stop the very important plans that, you know, that were in place, that were part of this temple, actually. Yes, I mean, I don't know whether we'd have attracted millions, but certainly it would have attracted a lot of interest and uh, more people, for sure, in the areas where the temples were, um, uh, just out of curiosity, if nothing else. I, I agree with you. I, I think um, it's, I, I, the way I look at it is though he impressed his own DNA on the society for all time. That plan yeah. that was delivered. And it's interesting, you know, we've talked a lot over the over various uh, sh shows, programs, about the fact that the master was so advanced and the fact that Master Etheria stated that this was something that they knew would happen, uh, but it also makes him very difficult to, um, to accept, to understand, to follow. This is my wording of it. It's not the exact wording yeah. of the Master Etherius. Um, but, but, and it also made the interesting statement, the Master Etherius, that it wasn't their plan. They knew it would happen, but it wasn't their plan. And it, that suggests to me it was Dr. King's plan. Who else's plan could it have been if it wasn't their plan? He took the society, as they knew he would, to very high extremely advanced levels and I'm a, although there's a whole aspect of the society which is very easy to understand that, that we don't talk in a complicated way wherever we can well, you know if we can avoid doing so we try and make it understandable and the cosmic masters do that brilliantly the master theorist does it in his conversational manner uh, the mars sector 6 does it with his short terse simple but profound aphorisms virtually it's done it's, we're not trying to be complicated like you could say i'm sorry to have to say this but you could say that certain writings in theosophy uh, you really do need a dictionary and you really do need to know a lot of internal references to even get past the first page of some writings we try not to do that we're trying not to do that on Ethereum radio live but we can't help the fact that the Ethereum society now its inner function at least is highly advanced and this is the DNA of Dr. George King it, this is something that he did it's not something that they did necessarily uh, they, their plan although it would have required more money and whether the funds would have been sufficient to build such a temple is an issue maybe it would have been easier to raise Dr. King was a very practical person as you know Chrissy as well and and he he didn't you know he understood about having to pay bills and things that was that aspect to it as well but we might well have raised far more funds for a project like that who knows but what he did though he took that inner function and he focused it round a few and you know a lot of movements people look at them like for example let's say christianity let's say buddhism and they are mass movements they're enormous they are gigantic um I, I don't know, I haven't checked this, but maybe they have over a billion followers each, for all I know. Uh, probably they do. Um, and this is, this is something that they, they have striven to do. Some would say for better, some would say for worse. Some would say that some of the compromises that were made 
for example in the early church to make it more popular actually took away some of the mill mystical teachings out of Christianity but putting that to one side they are designed to be big mass movements I believe uh, in the new age when it ver eventually comes the theosity will be accepted I believe if you go to the highest realms now it is accepted. It doesn't necessarily mean everybody is working for the Ethereum Society and nothing else. There are many things to do on this planet, and we've never said we're a one and only way. We are not a one and only way, and we're not trying to be. But we do have a unique task. It's the most essential task, I believe, on Earth, or else I think we wouldn't be here. And it's certainly extremely advanced. What it requires in terms of people is a small number of very dedicated people. That's the way Dr. King left it. And that's very much in his own idiom. I mean, the adepts themselves worked, they were a small team. There were three, then there were five, then there were six. Uh, in Operation Carmelite, they were offered the help of dozens of ascended masters, and they turned it down with tremendous reverence and appreciation to those masters and thanks, but they still turned it down. They chose to work in a small team they preferred it that way and we obviously would like the more people the merrier uh, if we had thousands doing operation prayer power we'd be absolutely delighted and it would be very good for the planet and for the human race but we can do it with a small number as we're proving now during this lockdown yeah that's a very good point can i just add something richard you know, yeah. in some ways, I think the society is like one of the old ancient mystery schools, but it's very different too, isn't it? Because with the Assyria Society, the vast majority of information, teachings, wisdom available is available to everybody. They just need to yeah. study. I mean, we have it in books. We have it available. Very, very little do we have to um, get through initiation. I mean, we do have initiations and so on, but unlike some organizations, we don't sort of charge for those initiations and you know, we're very open. So although we're small, we're very advanced, we're also extremely open. And anyone listening for the first time can sort of learn a lot about the society just from the websites alone, you know. Yes, it's George true. King and those, the, yes, indeed. And those mystery schools you're talking about, um, you know, they, they had the, I would say, the luxury of not feeling in any way, you know, required to, to save the planet, to save humanity, but more right. to educate and take people towards enlightenment. And they wouldn't hesitate. And some of the old gurus of old wouldn't hesitate, as, as Yogananda, for example, illustrated in his wonderful book, to turn people away who they felt weren't ready. Now, that's not what we do in the Ethereum Society. I mean, people can come. We welcome people. Uh, the, the, the bill that they have to pay isn't a financial bill, but it is. If they want to work at this highest level... It's a degree of dedication, and that's up to them. It's not up to anyone else. So we're open. We, don't, we try not to keep secrets. The secrets that we do keep mainly relate to the performance, the inner classified function of certain missions, and that's only because that information could be misused uh, if it was put to the wrong purposes by people. Other than that, our teachings are open and people can attain the levels required if they wish to, to obtain them. It's a massive change. I, I remember actually uh, Dr. King discussing the, the, the Ascended Masters one day uh, over a lunch or a dinner, I can't remember which, and he did make the point 
that, you know, from their point of view, they, they would kick people out of their ashrams. If they didn't measure up, they're out. What may be one warning and they're out. And he, he had a lot of frustrations, as you know, Chrissy, with, you know, the likes of you and me and the people around him and the level we were at as against the level he was at. And this was a great frustration for him at times when he's trying to perform these very advanced missions. But as he pointed out, he has a job to do. He hasn't got the luxury of kicking somebody out for some error who he actually needs, without whom certain mission couldn't be done at the time. And this put him in a, a much more difficult position. And it made him, in many ways, and I think I'm right in saying that St. Guling, the Ascended Master, stated more compassionate than some of them, some of the other Ascended Masters. Yeah, that's a very interesting point because the Masters, as we learn uh, from reading various books, they were very, very strict, as you say, very strict indeed. And our Master was yes. strict, but also extremely compassionate. So I think that leads us to actually very timely to the text uh, which um, you were going to read from, uh, carrying on from that transmission, the next piece of text, uh, Christy. Yes, absolutely. Mm. When George King, as you call him, has to vacate the terrestrial body he now inhabits, he will not be replaced. It is for this reason that we have already given the next magnetization period for a thousand years following the death, as you call it, of your leader. You will see that more than ever will you be on your own. More than ever will it be necessary for you to stand up boldly and act upon those teachings we have patiently given to you over the past few years. To remind you, we have already delivered full details of the operation of satellite number three for the thousand years following the vacation of the Earth's physical structure of your leader. We have, at the same time, given the periods of intensification which must be strictly adhered to during these magnetization periods. Yes. So I think that's, that's very interesting. That recaps on some of the points that uh, I was making, really. Um, that um, Dr. King will not be replaced. Um, and, and, you know, right. the timing of this, the, the, the very, very important timing of this. I think uh, it's interesting, really, to, 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 to look at this whole point of Dr. King not being replaced, because it, it very, very often comes up. And I'm, I'm asked, I mean, I'm, I'm, sometimes I'll go to a, a lecture, I'll give a lecture, or I'll, I'll meet some people in the movement, in the spiritual movement, and they'll say, well, why isn't anybody else now taking the transmissions now that Dr. King has, has, uh, has gone? It, it's an easy thing to do, you know, they say that uh, they could do it. And, and there's numerous people out there claiming to, to, to channel beings from other worlds and so on. And I, I think, really, we have to really get real about this, that it, it's a, a very, very advanced thing uh, indeed to do what he did. It's an extremely unusual thing, and not many people could do it. Um, you know, he, was, uh, he did a lot of intensive yoga practice for 10 years. Also, and as we've now fully 
admitted he doesn't even come from this world. I mean, I, I've done some mediumship myself. I don't even think it's the same thing that he did. I don't even put it in the same category. And frankly, I don't put the mediumship that anyone I know of has done uh, in, in the same category. I think you'd have to go back to somebody like, for example, I'm not saying this is the only one, but somebody like Moses, um, you know, to find someone who basically received the word of the Lord, as the Bible would say, um, and in, to, 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 to come across that kind of ability. It's an extremely rare one. We don't have a sort of queue of people who can raise the Kundalini uh, up into a high psychic center when performing um, mediumship, frankly, and he just is very difficult to replace. He's impossible to replace. It's not like we could replace him if we wanted to. I think that's the point I'm really trying to make there, Chrissy. I think that's a very important point, Richard Knight. You probably don't take this wrong, but I think it's very important that it's coming from you uh, because I know firsthand that for over 30 years, probably longer actually, you have been channeling. Um, and now some very, very advanced intelligences. And you can look on Richard's website, richardlawrence.co.uk, and read some of his um, recent channelings. And I just want to say this as an example. Um, when my husband and I were with Richard and Allison, my husband Gary and I were with Richard and Allison, he took a fantastic message in just a few minutes. And this was something that you couldn't write. It was absolutely brilliant. And I've had this experience of being with Richard over many, many years. So in other words, Richard is a very, very good medium of the top notch. And yet he is, um, so he has a far better understanding than me or anyone out there, really, that I've met. And I've met a lot of people who've channeled and mediums over the years um, to give this understanding of our master far better um, than most people because he's aware firsthand of what it takes of the challenges and the tremendous effort and concentration it takes, even for a, a, a more basic form of mediumship. So I think that's a very, very important point, actually, Richard. Puts things in perspective for people. Yes, because I think, you know, we've often said uh, that one of the reasons, and I, I say yes, I'm not necessarily agreeing with your very kind comments, thank you, about the challenging I do. I, I think the method that I use is broadly similar as a method for example, to that which would have been used by Alice Bailey. Uh, it is right. not uh, raising the Kundalini knowingly and consciously to a high psychic center, uh, as Dr. King did, and then uh, bringing through a great intelligence, uh, but not even bringing through words, but bringing through pure thought vibration. I don't want to sort of detour from this. And so although we can say, as we've often said, well, it would be confusing if somebody took over. It wouldn't just be confusing. I would, I would go further. I would say it would be impossible. impossible and if, yeah. if we go back to my example, for example, uh, of Moses, let, let me read something that Dr. King said about Moses. Uh, and this is in a book called Operation Sunbeam, God's Magic in Action. He said, if we are to believe the Bible, Moses was cast out into the desert and he suffered greatly for a time until he had certain experiences. Then, according to the Bible, he was given the command, but he had to surrender himself unconditionally to his commanders. What really happened was that Moses already had experiences in another place 
at another time. He had not realized this until he was visited by a master from another planet who told him in no uncertain terms to pull himself together and to do certain jobs, which from that time onwards he did. Then Moses was given the knowledge and psychic powers necessary in order to perform his task in the right manner. Now, if you were to read, you know, the Bible, which I, I don't claim to be a great expert, but you almost get the impression he was sort of chosen, almost because God liked him and started speaking to him. Uh, it, it's not put out that, you know, he was chosen because of his, um, the very fact that he wasn't from this earth, uh, that they knew him, uh, that he had a mission to perform that he had certain capabilities he'd already learned before he ever incarnated. And even then, he still had to develop knowledge and psychic powers in order to receive that word of the Lord, as it's called in the Bible, which must have been some form of transmission, so regularly in his mission from then onwards. Um, and so the, the trouble with that is then you read on, say, to, to Joshua and to other leaders and other prophets, and they're all hearing, in some way or another, the word of the Lord. And they're all put on a sort of similar level. And I'm not taking away from any one of them in particular. But there is no comparison, as I'm sure, absolutely sure, that Joshua would agree, uh, between Moses and Joshua. It's not Joshua's fault, actually, if people have put him on the same pedestal. And other people would have come along, and it all gets into the same gamut, as it were. Um, in the case of, of Dr. King, uh, he isn't, wasn't like other people, wasn't like other people who claim contacts. Um, you know, and very often I notice they will claim to get contacts with the Pleiades or Alpha Centauri or some far distant constellation. Uh, in actual fact, the logic of being contacted from such a constellation, I think, is, is, is poor. I think the planets that are going to be, and I'm not ruling it out, I'm not saying nobody ever has been, I'm not saying, certainly not saying Dr. King is the only contactee ever, or the only one who ever received a message. I'm not saying that, but I don't believe that. But there isn't anyone else with his capability that I know of. Uh, then or now, that are in the same... If you look at the other contactees, and I've done that, I wrote a book about it, they, had, they hadn't get close to offering even the kind of program that he offered. Um, and it's logical that somebody would be contacted from the planet's closest, Mars, Venus, from the peoples there who have the greatest interest and the greatest affinity, or if you like, are in the same house, that's the house of the sun, this solar system, uh, they are the ones who are liable to make the contacts. I think it's also worth noting uh, as something that Dr. King said, which is almost shocking, that in his study, he thinks that a medium, even a medium who's had 10 or 15 uh, years of strict training, uh, is not going to be yoga training, uh, which doesn't mean just adopting certain asanas, might only be channeling 50% of the guide that's speaking through them. If they haven't had that training, he says they might be channeling 25%. If they're really good, he says they might... And he's talking about a guide there, not necessarily an extraterrestrial intelligence. You have to have tremendous powers of concentration 
to do mediumship well, just like to do anything well, actually. And it's not, it's true of, of mediumship as well. So you can be absolutely sure. Someone who says, well, actually, I, I was walking down the road and I, and, and, and I got this contact. Um, and, and I say this with compassion for, the, for those people, as a matter of fact. I'm not judging. I'm not ruling out contacts and uh, all sorts of experiences that numerous people have had quite genuinely. But be very careful because there are mental health issues as well if you think you're channeling someone from the Pleiades and you are not. Then you're going to delude yourself if it's not true. And so, as I often say when I give psychic classes, there's nothing wrong in saying three words, I don't know. They're, they're very useful words. You don't have to know. You, you might think this has happened and you don't really understand exactly what it did mean. Even Dr. Kinger said that to me about experiences he had and decades earlier, and he still doesn't fully know what they meant. So don't jump to conclusions, and please don't fall into the trap of, of thinking you're channeling somebody from some d distant constellation when really you, it's your own imagination, or it's perhaps a guide that you're getting wrong, or that a guide that wants you to get it wrong, uh, because you can end up in a very bad place. I'm sorry to say, and I wouldn't want that to happen to anyone. Well, thank you very much for that really good advice, actually. Um, I know a lot of people do channeling of different types, and as you say, there's so many pitfalls when you begin, but uh, good to keep going and uh, use those three words occasionally. Yes, I don't know. Uh, Richard, um, mm. just talking about Moses and so on, I mean, it just made me think that we are so fortunate to have a master of the caliber of Dr. George King among us because mm. he was able to look back at man's true history. And here he sort of just throws out these, these things like a true interpretation of the Bible, for example. Well, where else would yes. you find that? And thinking I know. And things about the Moses. And I, I know also that you know quite a lot about uh, Moses and Joshua and so forth. And, and um, it's, it's just... It's amazing, really, what you can find in our master's teachings that he throws, it throws is, out. And absolutely, and of course he un he understood it uh, because mm. he he'd been in the same sort of position, as it were, as Moses. Very different kind of a mission, but nevertheless um, a mission given to him by the powers that be. Uh, and as Moses was given a di very different kind of a mission by the powers that be, and he had to to perform it and. Um, I meant, you know, I think he can be under, strangely underestimated, uh, as a matter of fact. Um, that's Moses I'm now talking about, because it, it's, it's almost given as though he just sort of walked along and God spoke to him here and God spoke to him there. I'm quite sure it was because of his unique abilities that he had to develop in that life, as well as his experiences from a former life, that he could be used to do that. And I don't believe that some of the ones that followed him could do that uh, at all uh, you know they they and i don't think they probably claimed they could some of them but that's just the way it's gone down and there is a danger in that and there's a danger and people think well dr king could channel uh, aliens and so could i and so could you and let's take a weekend course here and come out where should we go all oh, serious and and uh, you know i'm not really joking because you know as i said earlier there are mental health issues that can creep in if you, allowed your, if you allow yourself to get deluded in, in psychic work. I mean, I, and I speak as someone who wrote the book Unlock Your Psychic Powers, so I'm all for it, but it's got to be done carefully, sensibly, with your feet firmly on the ground. 
Yes, exactly. Very good advice, Richard. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, do you want to so, read on to the next? Yeah. Shall I continue? Yes. Please because do. Because I realized yeah. that we missed our break. We were so involved in this oh, yes, yes. Uh, program here. So I'll continue um, from the five temples of God. Now, to come to your main tasks for the next 1,000 years, may I say that these tasks will not be beyond your capabilities if your mind and heart be true to the divine calling. You will in the near future redesign and rebuild both of your existing radiation machines. More than ever before will we advocate the use of these radionic, as you call them, machines during every coming magnetization period. Therefore, redesign is essential. Well, that's, a, that's an enormous topic, isn't it? And um, yes. it, it did happen. That's something that did, was done very soon, actually, after that directive was given by the Master Ethereus, because at that time, the uh, spiritual energy radiators that were in use were old ones, uh, one that was built in London in, I think, 1959, I believe, is when it went on, on the air. And the other one that uh, was used actually in Operation Blue Water in, in Los Angeles. And he went on and, and devised, as a result of Operation Sunbeam, actually, a new design which was put in place uh, both in, Ameri in, in Los Angeles and London within the next few years. And indeed, they started to operate every day during spiritual pushes. So that was accomplished. Um, we've gone much further than that now, of course. Um, I would like to, just before I go into those details, though, just pick up on the phrase, main tasks for the next thousand years, because it's, this thousand years keeps coming up. Um, the spiritual push dates are given for a thousand years. Uh, in fact, we now have uh, a new set of dates that were given uh, in 1988. Uh, they're, they're extended dates, and they began in 1989. But again, for a thousand terrene years, as the phrase is used, um, those who are familiar with the mission operation Space Magic and the satellite that's used for that, that's placed in orbit for a thousand years. And interestingly, on November the 12th, 1966, so before this, Dodakin made this very interesting statement, which I, I'd like to just read to you. A thousand years after I am dead, ladies and gentlemen, this might be taken as a prophecy, I will have a greater following than ever I had when I'm alive, because these things people will gradually see to be true. They will try many other things. They will live through many lives, and they will come across many, many blank walls that they cannot get through. And then eventually, their memory banks will open, and they will say, my God, I've wasted a thousand years. Well, we certainly hope that doesn't happen. But again, it shows that Dr. King is thinking in terms of a thousand years when he makes that prophecy. And it's interesting, isn't it, Chrissy, when you take into account something which isn't mentioned at all in this transmission, which is the coming of the next master, something we've talked about on Ethereum Radio Live more than once before, um, yes. which when the Lord's Declaration was delivered in 1958 on November the 23rd about the coming of the next master, it was said there will shortly come another among you. My own opinion, and I offer this as an opinion, I, I realize that shortly is a word that could mean many things. I mean, shortly for a, a, a Lord of Karma could be uh, hundreds of years hence. But nevertheless, 
it's quite possible that that too would have happened much sooner, that many things have been put back, many things have been changed, and there's an allowance now for continuity for a much longer period, let us say up to a thousand years, and sometime within that, one assumes the next master will come, it was going to be very soon, and then at one time, uh, Dr. King said, within a hundred years, and it's, it's possibly moved back much more than that now. Could, for all I know, might be hundreds of years. I think it depends. I think it's fluid. I think it depends on humanity. Uh, but whatever does happen, we have a plan that can carry on for up to a thousand years anyway. It's very interesting. Actually, Richard, I was reading something on the Internet yesterday about how the thou a thousand years is mentioned in the book of Revelations now. This person right. didn't know what it meant, but was saying it's possibly a, a figure that's just, um, a, you know, a symbolic figure. But it's interesting that it's, it keeps coming it up in our teachings, certainly. And talking of the book of Revelations, that's a, a book that, from what we can gather, was um, possibly channeled to the St. John who wrote it. Uh, I don't want to divert here, but which isn't necessarily the Sir John, the, Saint John the Disciple, by the way. It's another Saint John, probably, uh, and he is described as being dictated to him by an angel, who really? was um, who was influenced by the Master Jesus. It looks to me like a two-step channeling, possibly, um, of certain prophecies which relate to Armageddon, which of course was Operation brings us back to Operation Carmelite. But it's interesting again oh. that the, the, as you say, the thousand years comes in there, um, uh, and it, it, you know, in this particular case, it is an allowance in time of a thousand years, but so much has changed. Now, in terms of the the rebuilding of the spiritual energy radiators, of course, we've now gone, and by the time Dr. King left, um, physically left. Uh, we'd gone a lot further uh, than even two spiritual energy radios. Here's an example of an exponential change from this plan, because not only do we have two spiritual energy radiators on the air as directed, we now have five, as I think all our listeners know, so that's two and a half times as potent, and we have the possibility to even have more if we have sufficient trained people. Again, it's a small number that we need, it's not a big number, to run them. Uh, and that's the kind of brilliance of the plan Dr. King left, but it does require extreme dedication on the part of those. But those, those, those small number of people, task force members, as they would have to be of the Ethereum Society. But just to give a figure, it means rather than 12,000 prayer hours going out a day, as it was with the two spirit energy radiators in a, in a spiritual push now it's 30,000 prayer hours a day and I think we can start to see now how this has really changed the requirement of the shape power temple these sorts of changes and we haven't even yet got on to the invention of operation space power 2 well thank you very much for for that, Richard, 30,000 prayer hours. For That's an awful lot of spiritual energy going out into our world. And as regular listeners know, this is what we do in the Ethereum Society. Our master talked about the spiritual energy crisis and how vital it was to solve that crisis more than any of the others. And that was his mission, and that what he did through all the missions was to 
in a very simple way, was to put more spiritual energy into the world through the various missions, yes. through giving people tools to pray, to heal. And if we can solve that one, then all the others will eventually uh, be solved. Which, so it's this raising of consciousness that he was so involved with for mankind. So fantastic. Yes. Uh, Richard, I and think we're that, coming to the end, unbelievably. We are. We are. Um, Indeed. So, uh, yeah. Is there a, a final point that you want to make before we go? No, on I to just the next come back to the. I, I would just come back to the inner function as outlined of that temple, and then later, as we're going to come on to the other temples that would have been built, is being fulfilled in a different way and more powerfully even than it would have been from the temple. Uh, and I think that's the sort of theme here. It, it requires yeah. a small number of people to do it. And right now we have that sufficient numbers, but we have more than sufficient numbers to do that at the moment. But there's tremendous room for growth. I just want to thank Penny as well for producing the program so well today. And it's great to, to be with her again as our producer. Uh, and thank Nikki again for the fantastic work she's done over the last four years. Thank you very much, Chrissy. Do you want to, to conclude the, pro the show today? Yes, I'd like to thank you very much, Richard, for your very brilliant interpretation of this uh, fantastic transmission, The Five Temples of God. And uh, just a reminder to people who may have just tuned in that we are continuing to be very, very active in the Assyria Society. And you can join in with our online services at 12blessings12blessings.org. We, we are holding regular uh, frequent 12 blessing services and we're getting people from all over the world joining in and uh, with our healing prayers so please do join with us and also visit asirius.org our main website to find out the times you can join with the live stream services from the uh, headquarters in london and los angeles and especially the last hour of this spiritual push which we hold a special service at 12 midnight gmt um, which will be 8 p.m. in the eastern coast of America, where we are now. Uh, that glorious Temple of Light satellite number three will vacate its orbit, and we give our thankfulness and gratitude to this. So please join in with the live stream service, which is from the London, uh, the European headquarters in London. And you can, again, visit Assyrius.org for uh, information on how to join with that. And so thank you, everybody, very much for listening. Uh, this, we will definitely be... <laughs> continuing this for another show uh, it's such a fascinating topic and um, again thank you Nikki I'd like to add my thanks to Nikki our fantastic producer is also helping in many other ways behind the scenes with Aetherius Radio Live and thanks again to Penny too <laughs>